Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. John chapter 20, verse 24. 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 Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Where was Thomas? You know, that's a message. Look at your neighbor and say, where was Thomas? Do you, that's not where we are going. I just, I just, it just came out of my, my mind. You know, you know how it's amazing how pastors will coin topics. Where was Thomas? For one hour. Thomas Day House, have it? Next verse. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands. So I'm talking about the forgiveness of the heart, or from the heart, forgiveness from the heart. Unless I see. In his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So just before you judge Thomas, I want you to know that the people who were inside this room, they, they, they were in the room with the room locked. So, if you call Thomas, Doubting Thomas, that's what we popularly called him, right? Doubting Thomas. If you called him Doubting Thomas, you also want to say, scared Peter, scared Philip, scared, because they all, so don't just crucify Thomas. But Thomas said, I'm not going to believe, because he wasn't there. They came, they told him, they said, this is what happened. I wasn't, I wasn't there, so I, I don't know what you guys are saying. Next verse. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas, this time, praise God, was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. You know, I can't wait to have the glorious body that Jesus has. The kind of body that will pass through walls with food inside and the food won't drop on the wall. You know, when Jesus died, he was buried and he rose again. God didn't change him from being man back to God. He left him as man. So there's a man sitting somewhere. Not in this world. <laughs> See, you know, it was God's prerogative to decide if he would come as man or not. But because the first man, like I taught this morning, because the first man failed... There's someone who is called the second man or the last Adam. Jesus is called the last Adam for many reasons. He's called the last Adam because that was the last God checkup of God. That if this last Adam fails, that's the end of redemption for mankind. So God cannot aff afford to fail in Christ. 
So Jesus now fulfills all the redemption rights. And then the Bible says when he dies, in Hebrews 1.5, it declares, it says, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. How many times is Jesus begotten? Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. So when he rose from the dead, God said, today have I begotten you. But John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So how many times are we begotten the begotten? <laughs> so Satan didn't know that there is a kind of life out of death that will be formed. And this life is the one that confers on Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. And this is, this is not... This is not bringing someone from death to life but this is bringing life from death there's a difference because if he's the firstborn from the dead there were others who were dead before that came back to life Lazarus for example but Lazarus is not the firstborn from the dead Jesus is the firstborn from the dead hallelujah so God didn't put him back as God left him as a man because where he has entered, he came in as a forerunner of where you and I will enter. Glory to God. And you know, we're seated with him together in the heavenly places far above principalities and powers. The Bible makes it very clear that you are sitting far above them. Because if principalities are above you, they can undo the blessing. Because the blessing is a function of positioning. Just like when Balaam came up the mountain, he wanted to curse. Balak was giving him advice. Go around a place where you have a higher point of view so you can curse. Maybe the curse wasn't working because where you are standing is not high enough. So go higher so you can curse. As high as he went, he couldn't curse. And that's the blessing of the new creation. That in Ephesians 1.3, it makes it clear that blessed be God who blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Saying that I have blessed you in heavenly places. Anyone who wants to curse you has to go above heavenly places. And because nobody can go above heavenly places to curse you, that means you are forever blessed. In fact, he begins with blessed be the God. Meaning that the one who blessed you is first blessed. That the blessing of you by a blessed one doesn't reduce the blessing of the one who blessed. Doesn't say that the blessing of God depletes God because he blessed you. Because he's the multi-breasted one, he's the all-breasted one who when he gives, he doesn't deplete. And then I found out one day and I, I was praying with some of my friends yesterday in the morning and and I asked them a question. Where does God get his emotional support from? Because God has been giving love from the day one of time. And even before the day one of time, in eternity, he, he's been giving love. So, and you know, it's difficult to keep giving love. And if you're not receiving, you can tilt emotionally. Am I talking to somebody? So, the, 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 it's necessary that as you give, you are also receiving. 
And that's why Jesus would never put his emotional support on a wife. He was never married. Yeah, there are some men, they have, they have a daughter. They are not married, maybe. Or women, as the case may be. But, you see, that girl might be all they live for. And even if life is not good, if, even if nothing is happening for them, as long as that girl is there, that's all they have, that's all they are living for. So they draw emotional support from their child or their husband or from their wife. But where did Jesus draw his own from? And no wonder when the Bible says he was about to start his ministry, John the Baptist will announce Jesus into ministry. The Bible says a voice came from up saying, this is my beloved son. So Jesus knew where to direct his emotional strength from. He knew how to receive from his father. Because he would never get married. He would never have a child. He would never have um, in-laws. He would never have whatever. He would have friends that would backstab him. He would have friends who are called disciples that he knew would betray him at the time they didn't know. That he would prophesy to Peter and say to Peter, don't worry, you will betray me. Peter said, me? Hey, we will die together in this thing. We die here, have we? No, we won't die. We won't die. So, Jesus kept receiving emotional love from the Father. He would feed 5,000 5, people, send them away. He would deal with his disciples. After a while, he would retreat back to his Father. And he would begin to draw emotional support from the Father by receiving the Father's love. So, I asked myself the question, the God who is given the love, where does he get his own from? This is the reason why the scripture defines God as two definitions, light and love. So God has to be defined as love, that when he gives love, he's not depleted in love. Comfort was telling me yesterday while we were praying, she said, now I understand it, that I don't have to feel I will be depleted when I give. Because when God gives, he's not depleted. If I have a constant source of receiving, I never get depleted receiving. So if every believer knows how to receive love from the Father, you will not tilt emotionally when you're supposed to love those who don't deserve to be loved. So back to the scripture. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Next verse. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. He knew the person who was doubting, and he took his hands to the person. He said, reach your fingers here, or your finger here, and took at my hands. And look, I beg your pardon, look, Nawal, and look at my hands. And I can hear somebody's voice there, and I can spot you as we will see after the service. And put it, you understand, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Next verse. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. So at this point, he believed. But let me, let me try to say something, because we got to wrap up. Um, when Jesus took his hands to his disciples, the first time when he appeared, what he was showing them was where the nail 
was. But you see, at the moment where he was showing them his hands, the nail wasn't there anymore. Meaning that what killed you should not stop you. You don't understand what I'm saying. See, Jesus didn't show the disciples a wound. He showed them a scar. There's a difference between a wound and a scar. And now let me speak to your minds and your heart. That if you, if Je- because this is three days after he died and then he appeared to the disciples. Then he came back eight days after and appeared again to the disciples. But after three days, medically speaking, I'm telling you, medically speaking, there is no way you drive a nail into somebody's hands. Like, well, some people believe that the nail was through the palms. Some, I don't think so. I think it was through the wrist. Because that's the only way it can hold. And the Bible says that scripture was fulfilled, that none of his bones were broken, right? So, it went in through the wrist. Because in those days, the wrist is termed as part of the hand. So, it went in through and then, there was no way you would drive a nail there. And after three days, it will not be a wound still. So somebody appears to you. It will be fresh. Somebody appears to you three days after he had a nail driven into his hands. And then what he appeared, what he appeared to you with was not a wound anymore, but a print, a scar of the nail. So what is the difference between the wound and the scar? There must have been something that happened in between. Between the time the nail was driven and when he showed it. If you pass your wounds through the cross, it can at best not stay as a wound anymore. But it will become a print and a scar. So I like people when they are able to show you their Scars. Just the, because you are wearing long sleeve doesn't mean you don't have scar. The first thing Jesus did when he was talking to his disciples is he opened. He can you flip back to verse? I think it's verse seventeen or so, or verse eleven. Let me see. Go go to verse nine. Let's start from verse nine. I'm not really sure where this. Keep going. Verse 10, keep going. I'm, I, I want the place where he first appeared to them. Okay, keep going. Or is it before verse 9? Is it before verse 9? What verse is it? Josh, have you found it? Let me check. Somebody check for me, please. In that same chapter, John chapter 20, verse, is it 19? Okay. Yeah, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. So this is three days after... um, 
he was killed. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, look at the next thing Jesus does. Verse 20. And when he had said so, he shewed unto them his hands and his side. See, somebody was wounded. And the first thing the person says is peace. He's telling you that the wound has first of all brought peace to him before he can tell you peace. That Jesus, first of all, will say peace. And then the next thing he will do is to show the scar and not the wound. If you pass the wound through the cross, through the death, the barrier, the resurrection of Jesus, the first thing that will happen is that that wound that you complain about, that you cry about, that you force about, that thing that seems to be the one thing that troubles you the most can actually become the source of your blessing. That that same thing that made you cry can actually become the reason why you thank God tomorrow. That I didn't see from your perspective. So when Paul prays and he says that I prayed to God three times for God to do something about this thorn in my flesh and God didn't do anything about it. God didn't answer the prayer and he replied Paul by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, that's when I'm strong. These are the days I feel in my spirit that people will no longer just be thankful to God for their strength, but be thankful to God for the places where they are weak. Why? Because I didn't know the power of God until I knew that I was incapable. And then I saw the strength of God. Regardless of my incapacities and regardless of my failures. That they said you had third class. And with a third class, you are employing people who have first class. That in your weakness, oh, is somebody receiving something here? How many of you can see the power of God revealed in your weakness? And then the scripture comes alive. Where the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That when he presents his hand, he's not first of all showing just a scar, but he's showing his hands. And he's saying that I can still use my hands. Even though there is a scar on my hands, but I can still use the hands. Because what Jesus showed the disciples was his hands. Now, it is possible for you to have an injury and when you dislocate, for example, your elbow, it heals, but it's still dislocated. So that means it has lost function. It can't be used again. But this is the time for you to realize that in your, in your weakness, the strength of God is made perfect. So even when you have a scar, don't think that because there is a scar, the hand is no longer a hand. Because he came and he showed them his hands. What the hands could do before, he can still do now. And even better because more so the power of God is revealed. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? So there are some people who are here you feel so heartbroken. You feel so pained about something. You feel so down about something. You're wondering. You're asking so many questions. You're like, how can my heart heal? How can I move on from stuff? And I'm here to tell you that what you have may look like a wound. But if you let Jesus touch it, it will only be a scar. 
that is symbolic of a wound you once had before. But you will be able to say peace to somebody from the same scar that was a wound. Then the disciples saw it and they were glad. How can the disciples see a man who is truly in distress and be glad? If Jesus was showing them a wound, there is a way his disposition will be. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? There is a way he will be. He will not, he will not come and be saying peace. Somebody is wounded and he's saying peace. If I'm from his facial expression, you will know this guy is in crisis. Are there people who are in crisis today but can still make people glad from their crisis? This is what this thing is saying. That as you heal from the heart, the heart might still have scars, but that scar can produce joy. The heart can still have scars and signs of a hurt and a pain, but that pain is coming from the place of healing totally from God that it can make somebody glad. So the Bible says that the disciples saw it and they were glad. The second time Jesus appears to the disciples, what he did this time was not to go to the disciples. He went straight to Thomas. And the Bible says Thomas believed. So your scar will not just make people glad, but your scars will make people believe. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So quit the fact that you are a believer. And you think pain will not be in your life because you are a believer. Many times pain is a part of the journey. If our pain is a part of the process sometimes. Because without the pain, you may not see the power. When the devil wanted to kill Jesus, he had no clue that if he touched the case that Jesus was in, something was going to come out of Jesus. He had no clue. And he took a spare. But you see, foolish devil. Not knowing that if you break the box, the content of the box will come out. It's just like taking the alabaster box and you smash it on the floor. And then the perfume is all over the room. That's the same thing with the life of Christ. That when they broke Jesus, his body, the breaking of his body gave rise to the birth of the church. And before he was called the only begotten son, now he's called the firstborn amongst many brethren. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. So you and I were the joy before him. The Bible says that he went through the sufferings and he will bring many to glory. That in the midst of sufferings, he saw the glory. Now look through your pain very carefully. Out of that pain is going to form a scar. And out of that scar will make people glad. So I sense in my spirit, yes, but this is a season where you are coming into the manifestation of God's power in a strange way. That you, you, you thought that the power of God will come through your preparation. No, no. Maybe not exactly. The power of God is about to be revealed in the way that you are not ready for. And that's the reason why you will know this is God. If not, you will put your print on it and you say, I'm the one who did it by myself. Nobody can take this glory by himself. So if there is anybody here who is having wounds... And you keep going around with your wounds. See, let Jesus touch it. Receive healing today. Let that wound become a scar. Let that scar become a symbol. You know, I think about it many times. And I, I let you know, truly, that you see people who do a lot for the kingdom. Pastors, leaders, workers, the likes of you, the likes of me. We're not, we're not superstars in the kingdom. We're men of super scars. If you, if you remove our backs, you see scars of people's whips and people's lashes. 
Some of you wonder why people talk about you. They talk about you because you are going somewhere. At least if you are not going anywhere, nobody will talk about you. So if you see a gifted person, pray for him. This is a season of restoration. I said this some two months ago. And when God began to deal with me on restoration, I realized that my experience was basically the experiences of many people I had conversations with. And then it became clear to me that it's probably the word for the house, that there is restoration for so many people. Now, I, I don't know where you have been beaten, where you have been battered, where you have been offended, but don't wait for the feeling of forgiveness because the feeling of forgiveness will never come sometimes. You may never feel the need to forgive. The scar shows you that you can't deny the fact that it happened. So it doesn't take memory away from you. Memory is there. But in the midst of the memory, you also remember that this is no longer a wound, but a scar. And how did Jesus, after three days, get healed supernaturally? That a wound becomes a scar after three days. It tells you that the healing nature of God doesn't go by natural means. It's a supernatural thing. So if, you, if you've been wounded in your heart, if you've been broken in your heart, give your heart to him to let him heal and mold you. To let him heal and restore you. Yeah, because I'm, I'm talking to people today who need to forgive those who knowingly offended them. Knowingly. And you have to open your heart because the same crack that brings pain into you is the same crack that will release the healing power of God out of you. Jesus said to Peter, the devil desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And he now says, when you are strengthened, convert your brethren with the comfort that you've received. Give it back to somebody. So if there be anybody here who is going through tough times emotionally, financially, materially, psychologically, you are wounded and battered. Your self-esteem is on the line. Your worth in your mind, your relevance is on the line. God is saying to you today that that scar will only be a sign of the revelation of my power. That's all I'm saying. I was talking to some lady one day and she said to me, Pastor, I did everything right. My marriage isn't working. And I said to her, I said, your marriage is not working not because you did everything right. So don't wish that if you had the opportunity to go back, you would do everything wrong since you know your marriage won't work. You're doing everything right was for you, not even for your husband in the first place. So how do you deal with a situation where you can't put one, two together and life makes sense for you? Nothing is working. 
But for those of you who truly have scars, that scar is the sign of somebody's faith tomorrow. That same scar is the sign of somebody's gladness tomorrow. If you were never sacked from the job and you were never hungry, you would never understand somebody who is hungry tomorrow. Sometimes what I go through makes me understand more when I counsel people. When they come to me and they express to me the things that they are going through, I now understand better. And I now know how to speak with a great deal of empathy and compassion than ever before. Because from the heart of brokenness is the same heart that will produce healing and restoration. That nail is no longer there. Some of you keep re-inflicting yourselves with the same wound by meditating on the problem and you are reopening the wound again by revisiting the problem, pondering over the problem rather than looking at the promise. It's time to shift focus now and leave the problem alone and begin to thank God for the promise. Because when Jesus appeared, he didn't show his disciples a hand with wounds, but he showed them a hand with scars, meaning that he had healed from it. And the guarantee of that healing is that you go through the cross. And when you go through the cross, it's not even a function of how long you have been wounded. Because it was a matter of three days after that Jesus became healed. To the point where even Mary Magdalene, or, or the, Mary didn't recognize Jesus and she thought he was a gardener. That everything about him had changed so drastically. And when she saw him, he was all different and in all glory and in his splendor. And that's the same thing it is that when your wound, when your heart aches, passes through the cross, passes through the finished works of Jesus on the cross. The same you who was once bitter will minister healing and love to somebody else. Say to myself, you say to yourself, Pastor, I don't think I can love again. You can love. You can love. You have what it takes to, because out of this same brokenness, please, I, I want you to hear me. Out of this same brokenness, and I'm ministering hope to somebody here. Out of this same brokenness is going to produce hope for the future. Don't, don't lose your heart over someone. And you shatter the hearts to the point where the heart can be preserved for somebody else. Know that out of that crack can flow the healing power of God. Glory to God. So in this house this morning, what we're going to do is very simple. On Wednesday, I'm going to finish this thought. And we're going to wrap up the conversations of the heart. You're going to lay hands on your neighbor. If there is anybody who genuinely has been in pain and has been in distress and has been in crisis and has been in so much confusion that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to fill the hearts of everyone who is gathered here this morning. And there is guaranteed for TSP healing that what killed you, what killed you, what brought you back, what brought you down, it's no longer holding you again. Because if it's holding you, Jesus will come with a cross. He didn't come with a cross. He came by himself. So that nail that connected him to the cross is no longer, it's no longer there. 
So please, I want you to hold the hands of your neighbor and lay your hands upon everyone who is by your side. That there is healing in our midst today. There is peace in every heart today. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Out of the least likely is coming forth the most mighty. The ones who didn't expect to manifest are the very ones God is interested in. The ones people tagged and nicknamed and called them failures are the ones that truly are going to manifest the power of God. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what you've been through, but God knows. Um, God is about to give you what you didn't work for. God is about to minister to your heart what you didn't prepare for. I believe in preparation. I believe in working diligently. I believe in working hard. But God is about to go beyond and above your preparation. I don't know who I'm talking to. But out of those wounds that held you back for many days, God is about to bring healing supernaturally 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 some of you have not been able to move on because your heart has been broken i came for you this morning and because you are receiving the supernatural touch of god your three days after is here your eight days after is here this concludes this message Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.